Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may be tuning in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits, episode 47. As we continue looking at different things in the scriptures as the Lord directs us each and every day, and I pray that you are reading the Word of God. Get it in you. I cannot stress it enough, especially in the days that we are living in these perilous times and days of trouble and difficulty. We need to rely on the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God so we will be uh, kept from deception and other things that would draw us away. And we need to know what God has to say to us. So read His Word. I encourage you every single day. Be reading the Scriptures. Praise be to God. Now, today I want to read a passage from Luke chapter 8, and then I'm also going to turn to that same story in Mark chapter 4 as well. But I want to really focus on my question that I titled it is, where is your faith? Now, I'm not asking you that. That's what Jesus said to his disciples in this passage. And I want us to see a couple of things about why he said that to them. And I don't believe he was rebuking them in some stern voice, but he The whole time he was with his disciples, he was giving them on-the-job training. They were his students, his pupils, um, he was their tutor, he was their rabbi, he was their teacher. And that's why, you know, when Mary sees him at the uh, resurrection, she says, Oh, teacher, and she calls him teacher, Rabboni, rabbi. And um, so they were learning, they were learning, they were under an apprenticeship. And so as they went through the experiences with Jesus, he was in essence training them and tutoring them so that they would do what he does. Matter of fact, now I just want to go back to the very first part of Luke chapter 8 just for a moment and read just verse 1. In verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, he, meaning Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. So he's out and about preaching all over the place. Everywhere he goes, he's got one passion, and that is to preach and share the good news from God, the good news of Jesus, the good news of salvation, the good news of the God who loves them enough to send his own son. So Jesus comes on the scene, and then later on, his disciples are with him. uh, Luke makes that point here. Then later on in Matthew 28, for instance, in Mark chapter 16, and then again in Luke chapter 24, later we find out that uh, he's going away. And what does he tell his disciples? He says, you go And now you do exactly what I've been doing these last three and a half years. You do the same thing that you have seen me doing. You go and you preach the good news. You go and you bring the good news to everyone all over the world, to every creature in every place in the world. That's your mission now. I'm passing on my passion to you. And he says, even though I am with you always, I'm going to be with you in spirit through the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe he passed on his passion as well. 
And I believe that's part of the Holy Spirit's work in us is to give us that same burning passion that Jesus had to go out and to spread the good news because he went everywhere and he brought the good news of God to the people. And so that's what we're to do. So he was training his disciples. Well, everything that they're going through with him is part of that apprenticeship program that he had them in. They were in on-the-job training, whether they knew it or not. They didn't realize it at that time, perhaps. But they were, and he was teaching them. So let's pick up this particular story in Luke chapter 8, and I want to read a few verses and then I want to read a couple of parts of it from Mark chapter 4. But in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, it says this, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Simple phrase, simple declaration. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where? is your faith. And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. I want to turn now to Mark chapter 4, this exact same story, in verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with them, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we have two different accounts of the same exact event, and Matthew also gives his account of it as well. And each one supplies a little bit different detail, although the story itself remains intact. And I was thinking about this, this thing that the question that Jesus asked them, where is your faith? That's how Luke recorded it. And I got to thinking about that. What was Jesus referring to? If he questioned them about where is your faith, he had to be expecting that they would have had faith in him in some way, in some form or fashion. I believe if we go back 
2, verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, or verse 22 of Luke chapter 8, we will see what exactly he was referring to. Because when he decided to get in the boat, and they decided to get in the boat that night, he said to them this word, Let us cross over to the other side. So he had already told them, we're going to the other side. Now think about it for a moment. When God made the world, what did he say? He said, let there be. Let there be light. Guess what? There was light. He said, let the, you know, the waters be gathered together. Guess what? The waters of the land were gathered. I mean, the waters of the earth were gathered together. He said, let the earth, you know, bring forth the, the fruit and the vegetation and the trees and all of that. Guess what? It happened. It was a command uttered by the Lord himself. And so it happened when God the Father said that at that time. So now Jesus comes along and he gives forth a command. Let us cross over. To the other side of the lake. We're going to the other side of the lake. In essence, if we were going to put it perhaps in a modern way of saying that, maybe he was saying, come on boys, it's time to go to the other side of the lake, or we're going to the other side of the lake. Come on, let's get going. So Jesus had already given them a declaration before they ever entered the boat and launched out toward the other side of the lake. Now, the storm, you can study about the storm. It was a mega storm. It was kind of like a hurricane or a tornado or tsunami kind of force. So it all of a sudden comes up on them. Now, these are seasoned fishermen, most of them. You've got Peter, Andrew, James, and John in the mix. These guys, they knew that sea like the back of their hand. They had been in many storms before. And yet... This storm is so fierce that they run to Jesus and they tell him, they say, do you not care? We're perishing here. We're about to die. This storm is going to kill us. So they made a declaration. Jesus made a declaration earlier and said, guess what, boys? We got to go to the other side of the lake. So come on, let's get in the boat and launch out in essence. So they get in the boat and they launch out. That was Jesus' declaration. Their declaration in the middle of the storm is, we're fixing to go under. Lord, do you not even care? You're down here sleeping, and we're about to die here. We're throwing off water and grabbing buckets and, you know, all of this stuff. Help, help, help. Lord, save us, it says in Matthew. And then Jesus, he comes and he does. He saves them. He rebukes the wind and the, and the waves. He takes care of that. Why? Because he is God in the flesh. Now, that's something we need to understand because any doctrine, any teach, teaching or teacher that tries to tell you that Jesus was not God in the flesh, that is a spirit of error. And you can read that in John's gospel. John clearly identifies for us the spirit of truth Versus the spirit of error. So God in the flesh is in the person and the physical person of Jesus Christ in this situation. 
And if you go back, there are three Psalms, verses in the Psalms that you can read that actually tell who and why Jesus had authority over the winds and the waves. And it's all about the fact that he is God. In Psalm 65, verse 7, Psalm 89, verse 9, and Psalm 107, verse 29, all three of those speak of how he will rebuke the winds and the waves and still the noise of the sea. So those Psalms, those verses from the Psalms show that this is God. This is God in the flesh. And he rebukes the sea and he calms these things in um, in fulfillment of those prophetic Psalms of the past. But then he tells them he has to deal with their lack of faith. And I don't believe he came back and he said, where's your faith? It wasn't in that kind of tone. You know, the only time Jesus had that kind of reaction was when he was um, exhibiting how he was the jealous God when it was in pertinent to, like, for instance, the um, rebuke that he had against the uh, money changers and all of that in the cleansing of the temple, which he did twice. He did it early in his ministry. And then in the, by the end of his ministry, guess what? They hadn't learned their lesson, and they're still doing it. So he cleanses the temple again. And that's another topic for another day. But I believe that he had a love for them, and he had a desire, and he was like, man, okay, boys, you didn't pass this test. Where is your faith? Why would he ask them that? Now, our faith needs to be in the Word of God, in what God has said and faith is simply, you know, Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it for us. It's the evidence of things not seen and that proof and that hope that we have of what God has said that he is absolutely going to do what he said. So Jesus is taking them back to this earlier verse that said, boys, it's time to go to the other side of the lake. I got a job over there that I need to do. Now, the storm that came up, I believe it was it was a demonically inspired setup for them. I think that the situation was, you know, the, the demonic realm was trying to keep them. They were trying to thwart them from reaching the other side because on the other side of the lake were demon-possessed, a couple of demon-possessed guys that Jesus was about to deliver. And then he was going to turn them into evangelists for him in that land. And so Satan was trying to stop that. So this very well could have had a demonic root to the whole storm that came up. But the point is that they should have believed in Jesus. Now, we say that because we know the end of the story. Now, we have to realize these disciples were just humans, just like you and I are. And so we don't, we don't fault them. We don't judge them as if, you know, we would have done any better. I don't know if any of us would have done any better if we were in that situation. But the point that Jesus is driving at with them was, was this, that the storm, they needed to have faith even in the midst of the storm, that it did not need to deter them from what God had said they were doing and was going to happen. Jesus had already said, it's time we're going to the other side of the lake. So come on, boys, let's get in the boat and take off. And they did. 
And so Jesus, he was asleep because he's sovereign. He knew he was going to the other side of the lake. He didn't have anything to worry about. And they shouldn't have either. And that's the point. And my point is that we all need to learn that lesson like they had to learn. Because we face storms in life. There, we are living in very difficult days, very perilous times, very scary situations that arise from time to time, whether it's pandemics or, you know, um, unrest, civil unrest, whatever it may be. We're living in days where our faith also can be tested. But we need to remember what Jesus has told us and put our faith in his word and in him and the character of God because we believe. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that Sarah talked about Sarah and how she they received the word of the promised son. And it took 25 years before they ever got to see that son. But Sarah believed, it says in Hebrews 11, she, she believed God because she judged him faithful who had promised. She said, he's going to do what he says. I don't know when I'll see it happen. I don't know how long it'll take, but he said it and he's going to do it. That's faith. It's simply taking God at his word and saying, God, you said this. Therefore, I mix that word of God with my faith. I believe you. I may not see it right now, but I believe you because you said it. And therefore, I know it will happen. So, beloved, I hope this has been a blessing to you today and encouraged you through this test that Jesus allowed the disciples to go through so that we are also stirred to believe in him, to take him at his word and let our faith arise within us. Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do, and we can trust him. I pray this has been a blessing to you. Lord willing, you can join us again in future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.